matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter what you've done, no matter what you believe, um, we're glad that you are here. I want you to feel welcome in RUF. RUF is one of the many campus ministries walking alongside you at your time at Wofford for you to grow in your faith. Um, if I haven't met you, I, I recognize most of you, but if it is your first time, I would love to meet you and, and get a meal with you at some point when we get back from fall break. Um, we're continuing our series called Christ for Us in this kind of greatest hits gospel survey where we're going and exploring who Jesus is for us. So we've seen Christ our shepherd when he fed 5,000 people. We've seen that Christ is our peace when he calmed the storm. We've seen that Christ is our host when he told that great banquet story. We've seen that last week that Christ was our teacher, Christ our joy in water and wine. Tonight is Christ our rest. Christ our rest. And it's fitting, isn't it? There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on for you guys and a lot going on for all of us. We've had family weekend. We just got done with homecoming. It's now time for fall break, and there's a lot to do, maybe even just tonight, to get ready to leave tomorrow. There's a lot going on. We need rest. And as I've been thinking about rest, preparing for that, and needing it myself, like I need rest from Jesus, just like you, I thought about this notion of, it's actually a familiar sort of trope for counselors, and here it is. When a counselor asks you, what is your happy place? Have you ever been asked this before by a friend or a counselor or a parent or someone who loves you. What's your happy place? I have several, but I want to tell you two happy places for me. First, I've already mentioned a couple weeks ago, Glacier National Park. Glacier National Park is a happy place. I went there with my brother in 2015, and then the next year I went with Ivy. Glacier National Park, we love that place. It's a happy place. The second is this, all-inclusive resorts. (laughs) All-inclusive resorts. An all-inclusive vacation, think about this, it's all paid for on the front end. So it really gets you into a space and a zone where you can just breathe. You can just clock out. You can just breathe. And so financially, you don't have to think about anything. Would you like a side of scallops with your filet? Why not? We're at an all-inclusive resort. Would you like more ice cream sundaes? Of course you do. Would you like to go snorkeling? Sure. So with time and resources and energy and money, it's all off the table and you get to take a deep breath and rest. And so just for a little while at these resorts, if you've been on one, I highly recommend it. Um, if, you, if anyone ever asks you, what should we do for vacation? We should go do Christmas, not in your hometown, but in Mexico at this all-inclusive resort. Say yes. You will not regret it. Okay. Because when you go for a short amount of time, it gives you this experience that all is okay. Just for a second. Because you know that when you come back from that trip, you're coming back to heavy burdens. Because life in a fallen world is heavy, and it weighs us down, and it makes life feel impossible because it is. Because it is. And we're not invited to pretend like it's not. A Christianity that invites you to pretend like everything is okay, run for the hills away from that nonsense, because it's not in the Bible. But what we're going to see tonight, that Jesus up close and personal, in our faces says, I know you're weary, and I know you're worn out, 
and I alone can give you rest. Christ is our rest. And that's good news. Let's read the passage and walk through it. This is God's word. He's spoken to us not to give us a theology exam to ace or a book of rules to follow. He's spoken to us, to me and to you tonight because he loves us. Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me pray. Lord, we come here tonight um, and we're grateful for this beautiful weather you've given us over the past few days. How the colors of your beautiful world are turning from green to bright yellows and pinks and purples and maroons. And it's glorious. And you know exactly what we're walking in here with tonight just as you know every leaf as it falls down none of it is accidental to you everything is on purpose for you you know us inside and out and we're weary we're tired i'm tired and i need your grace i need your mercy that you might be my rest and our rest and that even tonight you would give us a taste of the kind of rest that we really long for during fall break. Slow us down that we might see Jesus. Pray in his name. Amen. All right, you see the game plan before you. Two points. Soul weariness, soul rest. Soul weariness, soul rest. Let's do the first one. Soul weariness. So Jesus, he's, ta- he's not talking to everybody. He's talking to someone specific. He's talking to specific people. People who are weary People who are burned out, worn out people in their souls. Like, not someone who needs a nap. I love naps. Especially right now. Thanks, Annie, who's not sleeping so great. I need a nap. That's not what he's talking about. Not a vacation, not a nap. In your insides, at the core of your being, weary. If you've ever experienced the grief of a family member or friend dying, you know what it means to be weary in your soul. If you've ever experienced a season of depression, you've been weary in your soul. If you've been weighed down by the weight of your sin patterns that you still cannot shake, you have been weary in your soul. I don't have to even tell you that you are. You feel it, and it's heavy. Weary in your soul. It is a nap can't cover it. A nap can only go so far. Vacations can only go so far. In your insides, your soul, weary. Jesus is talking to that person. Oftentimes we're weary and worn out when we expect people and things to give us rest. It's A nap's fine. Like, take naps this weekend, please. And, as we've said about a lot of other things this semester... Rest is a person, it's not a strategy. So when we look to a nap or a GPA or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, a, or getting into 
this or that med school or this or that internship and said, I want you, that internship, to give me rest in here, in my insides. When you're doing that to people and places, it actually makes life heavier. And you know this because when you turn that paper in, we're like, once I turn that paper in, I'll have rest. Once I get fall break, I'll have rest. Once I get on the other side of this or that thing, I'll have rest. What happens when you get on this, on the other side of this or that thing? It wears off fast. And it actually makes the disappointment of it all because it only can go so deep. It makes your life feel heavier because it can't handle your soul. So sometimes I make my life feel heavier because I'll look to Ivy, who's here tonight, my wife, and I will say, I want you to give me rest in my soul. And only Jesus can do that. It's too heavy for Ivy to do. And she wasn't built for that, made for that. Jesus can do it. He alone can give me rest. When I look and say, look, y'all seen how chaotic, who knows what's going to happen tonight, y'all sirens, who knows, crashes might happen tonight. Y'all know, like, the last two weeks, it's happened during the sermon, what has happened? I'm a perfectionist, and I'm having to die on a weekly basis out here in this pavilion when my perfect sermons get messed up, because I'm actually longing for a sermon experience and whatever y'all think about that to give me rest in my insides. Confession time. Professional clergy pastors have idolatry problems, and oftentimes it's ministry. Okay. Sometimes we make ourselves get weighed down by life's burdens, but also life just happens to us. If we don't make our lives heavier, life's just going to make it heavy. It just will. Because sin, sickness, and death is heavy. And that's where we live. We're burdened by the fact that we can never measure up to God's standards and law, much less our own, much less your professors, much less your parents. It's heavy. Life will make you weary because it's full of heavy burdens and a lot of y'all are carrying a lot around, like right now, like tonight. Weighed down, heavy, in your soul. That's who Jesus is talking about. Soul weariness. Let's do soul rest now. Soul rest. Jesus is not describing superficial rest but soul rest, rest in your insides to the core of who you are. It is not the kind of rest like binge watching the office. What I do every night after a large group when I go home and get like Cheez-Its and I'm just like watching the office. Like, that's great. I'm doing that tonight. Might go to cookout on the way. But when I get there, like, that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not, it's very restful. Highly recommend it. You should study tonight, but like, you know, this weekend. It's only going to go so far. Jesus is talking about a deeper rest that actually lasts. That lasts at the core of your being. Oftentimes, this is kind of an aside, but I love sort of highlighting a couple of things to help you guys be good readers of the Bible. Remember, we talk about any time you read a passage of Scripture and John or Paul or David or whoever's writing it, they're repeating phrases. It needs to get your attention to be a good Bible reader. Another thing is just to know when the Bible refers to the heart. When the Bible refers to the heart, it's referring to what Jesus is saying about the soul. The soul in the Bible 
And the heart in the Bible is like all of you. Your personhood. Does that make sense? It's not just like your identity. It's not just your joy. It's your heart, your gut, your insides. That's why I'm using that language of your insides. Remember when we talked about Jesus was moved in compassion? In his gut, in his heart was moved with compassion. His soul was. So at the core of your being, Jesus wants to go there to give you rest. And that's what will last. And if you would have asked disciples, we've done a lot of stuff with Jesus so far in these scenes, haven't we? Calm the storm for people, water into wine for people, fed 5,000 people. Great banquet told them to come to his feast, right? If you'd have asked any of those people, how do you get joy? How do you get peace? How do you feast? They would have just said him. Remember? Joy is not a strategy. It's a person. Peace is not a strategy. It's a person. Rest is not a strategy. It's a person. How do I get rest? Him. That's what they'd have said. Inarticulate, marginalized people of society. These are not Pharisees and tax collectors and theologians and seminary professors who knew the law inside and out. How are like marginalized people, prostitutes and sinners getting rest? Jesus. Him. No mission trips. Him. No New Year's resolutions. Him. No Bible readings plans. Him. Those are great. Won't give you rest. Won't give you rest. Talked about the law. The law will only go so far. Only Jesus and his mercy will get in here. Even religious stuff and our strategies for being so spiritual and being such a good witness at Wofford. If we get caught up in that. And we're asking that to give us rest. How's that working out? Okay. When Jesus says, did you notice we can almost skip this and just go to rest. There's an invitation. Come to me. How do you get rest? I'm with him. Not he doesn't just give it to me. I roll with him. I'm walking with him. I'm following him. I'll leave everything to get this rest because I'm rolling with him. I'm following him. Jesus is saying. I just want to be with you. You can actually summarize the whole Bible by that phrase. God's saying to sinful people, wandering sheep, come away with me. Come be with me. You'll know that in the beginning of the biblical story, Adam and Eve, you know who they existed with? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect communion with one another. Soul rest. Before Genesis 3. That's Genesis 1 and 2. The creation, the Garden of Eden was the dwelling place with God and man together. The Song of Songs, chapter 2. Y'all might know this, but Song of Songs is actually this, this wisdom book between, that's written a love letter between two lovers. And this is, this is some of the stuff that he, they say to each other. This is the bridegroom talking to his bride. He says, arise my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land, the fig tree ripens its figs, the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance. Arise, arise my love, my beautiful one, and come away. 
Come away, come to me, come, my beautiful one. Let's go out to the fields and lodge in the villages. Let's go out to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. Jesus looks at his people always. He's been saying to you and to me and our wandering hearts, come away with me. Come away with me. And he won't stop until he has us. And that's where we have soul rest. And that's why the Apostle Paul picks this theme up in Ephesians 5. He says, you understand Jesus' relationship with the church? Think about marriage. Think about a husband and a wife and this loyal covenantal bond, soul rest, like you've never experienced. And then John's Gospel, we celebrate Advent's coming up in December. Y'all know this. What do we celebrate? God coming to us. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood of our sin and our shame. Who is He? Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. How do we get soul rest? We roll, sit, follow Jesus. Him, not a strategy. Soul rest. Sirens. Last book of the Bible is Revelation, Revelation 21, 22. Sounds a lot like John. Sounds a lot like Song of Songs. Sounds a lot like Genesis 1 and 2. It says the dwelling place of God is where? With man. What happens in that relationship? Soul rest. Y'all get the picture. So being with Jesus. Is there anything worse than sitting down at Burwell or Acorn or outside or in your apartment? And you're excited about this meeting. And it could be with a friend, and you, they make you feel like you're a problem to be solved. Is there anything worse than that? Like you're just a problem to be solved. Is there anything more restful than meeting with someone where you know by their body language and their eye contact and the questions they're asking and how they're listening to you? I just want to be with you. People call that a non-anxious presence in the counseling world. A non-anxious presence. Jesus is saying, I just want to be with you. I don't want you to perform for me. I'm not trying to manipulate you to be a ministry minion in the kingdom. I want to be with you. That's rest. Real rest. We also rest by resting in Jesus' finished work. Resting in His finished work, not just dwelling in His presence, but resting in His finished work. It's not about performing for Him, but resting in His performance for us on our behalf. And here's what happens when we resist. You know the last words Jesus says on the cross? It is finished. The work is done. He was not joking. It's finished. He finished the race that you're running. Run hard. Get after it. Follow Jesus, etc., etc. But He finished it. Because you can't. True rest is possible when Jesus and His grace and His race and His righteousness and His law keeping for you becomes sufficient for you to be able to say, He's all that I need. Okay. It's also a contentment. Here's what I want to say. When you experience this kind of soul rest with Jesus... There's an otherworldly contentment. And this is just hard to describe if you haven't experienced it. I don't know what else to say. I became a Christian my freshman year of college, and I heard this stuff all the time. And until I experienced it, I didn't know even what, how, like, joy and otherworldly contentment 
is the result of this. Your circumstances can be going all over the place, and there can be an inward soul rest that does not move. And I don't know where else to get that than with him. I really don't. And I've tried a lot of other places. I did 20 years of, of searching. And he's so steady in this soul rest with you. It doesn't mean that you're joyful all the time. We've talked about that. That's not what I mean. But in suffering, in your pain, you can have a soul rest where you can be free from pressures and burden of perfectionism. You can be freed from the tyranny of the urgent and the tyranny of people, people's approval and opinion of you. You can be freed from rejection and free from the pressure of addiction. You can be freed from these things. Why? Soul rest. Soul rest. And he offers this. And it's not something we earn. It's not a strategy. It's a gift. All right, I'm going to tell you guys a strange illustration. I just want you to roll with me, okay? And here it is. It's this phrase just called mobile home. And it is what it sounds like, mobile home. Mobile home is just that. You can go anywhere, and if that is your home, you're safe. You know who you are. You know what's true about the world. You know what's true about yourself. Wherever you go, no matter what happens, mobile home. Jesus is offering that kind of soul rest where you can be able to say, regardless of circumstances, mobile home. Rest, soul rest. In your disappointment, mobile home. In your addictions, mobile home. As you're trying to clean it up, mobile home. In your failure of it, mobile home. In the sirens, mobile home. In your loneliness, mobile home. In your death, mobile home. Soul rest. It's true. It's true. No matter where you go, no matter what, mobile home, soul rest. That's what he's offering. And when we say, he's my rest, he's finished the work, we can have the joy of not taking ourselves so seriously and take a nap and eat too many Cheetos and Cheez-Its and watch Michael Scott like I'm going to do and not overthink how this went tonight because Jesus has everything that I need. Y'all feel that? It's like you can walk in. It's this very strange tension, this mobile home stuff of like, I can apply for med school and I don't need med school. You feel, I, I'm moving towards marriage because I feel called to be a spouse and I don't need marriage. How freeing does that sound? Mobile home. You don't need it. You don't need any of it. Mobile home, soul rest cannot be taken away from you. Two points of application and we're done. Silence and Sabbath. Silence and Sabbath. Silence. What in the world would it feel like if you didn't touch your phone for 24 hours? I feel like panicky when I say that, even suggest it to you. What would that feel like? Silence. I was with uh, a professor. Uh, I'll say it. It's Swice Goods. Dr. Swice Good right there in Olin. 
If you've spent time with Dr. Swicegood, you'll know that if you're going to talk with Swicegood, you have to go at his speed. He's not going to be in a hurry. He's very comfortable with silence. Almost so, I mean, you just have to enter into it because you're not going to rush him. And what happens over time in an hour, 45 minutes or so with Swicegood is you become calmer. If you have an office hours with him, you know that. Been meeting with him every Friday for four years. And it's disorienting at first. And I was just so struck, just like, you're so comfortable in your own skin and who Jesus is that you just don't have to be talking all the time. You just don't have to fill silence with panicky energy. You're fine. And I was, I'm almost envious of it. I'm a verbal processor. I can't shut up. There's such a security about it. Silence. What would it look like? I, I don't, a lot of y'all are introverts. A lot of you are extroverts. What would it look like to practice silence on a weekly, even daily basis? This is when some of the like mindfulness stuff and like what counselors are telling us right now is actually really helpful. It's not going to give us rest. Like a nap's not going to give you rest in your soul. Mindfulness is not going to give you rest in your soul. But it can be real helpful because it can get you into a zone where you can actually force your body and your mind to rest. That when you take your hands off the wheel of life, Jesus is going to keep driving it. Tim Udodge says this, one of my friends, we believe that if we take our hands off the world, that the world will stop, that the world will stop turning. We believe that. That's why we can't keep still. What would it look like to cultivate practiced silence in your life? I don't know what that looks like with prayer and going outside and getting off of our phones. Sabbath is next. Sabbath is such a gift. And if it wasn't a command, we wouldn't do it. Barbara Brown Taylor says it this way, the Sabbath is a gift that we're so reluctant to receive that it has to be commanded. The Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, y'all. And it was actually after the Israelites were delivered from 40 years of slavery. And Jesus says, y'all been working a lot. I want you to stop. You don't always have to work because I never stop. Eugene Peterson says this. I love this from Peterson. The Sabbath is about God. Listen to this. About God interfering with all the things you think you need to get done so that you can actually focus on what God has done in your place. I'm going to repeat that. We're doers at this college, aren't we? Sabbath is about God interfering with all the things you think you need to get done so that you can focus on what God has done in your place. We have a weekly 24-hour period if we would just trust God enough to stop and to trust that He actually is still at work even while we're sleeping, even while we're resting, even while we're eating the next Cheez-It. Rest. Soul rest. So we're resting in the work that God's done in our place. Well, what has He done in our place? Everything. It's finished. There's nothing halfway. It's finished. Everything necessary you need to find rest for your soul. There it is. How do you get it? Him. Let me pray.